0: The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. In the Bible, we see many examples of people who walk far from God, who go off and they turn to their own ways, And God's promise is that if they return, that he would forgive them and restore them into right relationship with him. So we are declaring forgiveness this morning for those that have found themselves in Christ and those that are willing to turn from sin to pursue a right relationship with God. The promise is that if you have asked for forgiveness, that God will take your sin as far as the East is from the West, separating you from the sin that has been in your life. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you that you are a good God That you are faithful to those who find themselves in your care. That you completely fulfill your promises. That you forgive us of our shortcomings when we have confessed them to you, Father. We just ask that you would be with us this morning, be with our congregation, and help us, God... To pursue you and to make you the object of our faith, of our hope, and in our love, Lord, that we would live more freely for you. In your name we pray this morning, amen. We believe that the pursuit of joy does not lead us away from the places of pain. The pursuit of joy leads us along the way Jesus walked. To avoid the pain is to miss the way altogether. The way goes through the cross, but the cross is not the destination. In this sermon series, we invite you to rest your thought on and in Christ, who shows us the path beyond the cross that continues to eternal joy. We invite you to rest your mind in this happy thought. In preparation to this morning's sermon, I looked up some quotes that I wanted to share with you. We should purify our innate well of contentment. What an expression. And then external things will be in harmony with us, Eckhart Tolle. I believe that contentment or any sustained period of joy that doesn't inspire thought that leads to action almost immediately is useless. That's famous vocalist Henry Rollins. When you are discontent, you always want more, more, more. Your desire can never be satisfied, but when you practice contentment, you can say to yourself, oh yes, I have everything that I really need. And that is the Dalai Lama. Revenge, lust, ambition, pride, and self-will are too often exalted as the God of man's idolatry, while holiness, peace, contentment, and humility are are viewed as unworthy of a second thought, and that is the pastor Charles Spurgeon. In case you didn't catch on, today we're going to talk about the secret of contentment. And as we bring our series to a close on happy thoughts, I can say that a lot of what I read today would produce a lot of happy thoughts. But I think the contentment that we're really looking for the secret of contentment to life and what it brings, we see as an example perfectly in Philippians 4.10-13, through 13, as Paul was following Jesus. And if we find ourselves in a position much like Paul found himself, we will not only see true contentment, but we will experience contentment in our lives. Contentment is this. It is simply the state of being mentally or emotionally satisfied as things are. This is rarely me. And as I was preparing for this morning, I was thinking about a lot of things and it felt almost like this gray cloud that was going to burst forth rain had produced itself above my head because I thought of everything that caused discontentment in my life. And the way I think is often like this. If only I had straighter teeth. If only I was physically fit. If only I could buy everything on my Amazon wish list. If only I went to college and got my master's degree, man, my parents would be so proud of me. If only everyone liked me and no one disliked me and that's me being completely vulnerable with you this morning that that is a thought that I have. It's impossible that everyone would like you. But for some reason I want that. There are many ways that I can admit that I do not understand contentment. And so with that, I wonder what are some of your if only statements this morning? If only I could buy a house with a big yard? If only I got the next promotion with the incentives and the hefty raise. If only my child would act the way that I have raised them to be. If only more people came to my small group. If only disease and sickness didn't exist. If only the pandemic didn't happen. If only our world was truly fair and everyone was treated equally There are many reasons to be discontent in our world. And it seems every day there is something new or something different that takes place and offsets us. And if this is you this morning, my hope is to help us come to a place where we become more content with each other. The big question I'm asking you this morning is, what is the secret of contentment? And the big idea is true contentment is only found in God. Contentment is completely attainable. Paul has given us some great ideas of what that looks like. And this morning I'd like you to follow along as we look at Philippians 4, starting in verse 4 through 13. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition Whatever you have received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Now, here's where we're going to focus in this morning. I rejoiced in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. The first thing I want you to realize about contentment this morning is that we experience contentment when we rely on God's provision for our lives. Look at verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. There were a couple questions that came to mind the minute that I saw that verse. And these are the questions. One, who is Paul referring to as being concerned? And in what way had they shown concern towards Paul? The second was, how was their concern renewed towards them, towards him? Answer number one, Paul was referring to the church of Philippi in which he was writing and he was thanking them for providing his needs while he was on his missionary journeys. And the answer two is the concern was renewed because at some point the church had stopped providing his needs and this was either due to his route where he was heading and how he was heading there on his missionary journey might have been too dangerous. Or they might not have had a messenger at the time. And as you would think, Paul didn't view this as a fault of either side. And so he was just rejoicing the fact that they had caught back up and they were now providing the needs that he had. And at this time in church history, this was very important because there were false teachers that were coming into the church and what they were doing was they were kind of throwing themselves at the congregation and telling them things that they wanted to hear in hopes that those that had money or those that were not very intelligent with their money would give them more money and that they would become wealthy and kind of use this as a way to line their pocket. But Paul, on his journeys, he was going completely free to go and spread a free message of salvation to the churches that he was speaking to. And the fact that he wasn't asking for money and he wasn't being paid by those churches to come visit and share, made the gift believable because it cost them literally nothing. And here was this man that was coming to share the good news, the free gift of salvation to those that would hear. And so Paul, in his journeys, was completely relying on God to provide for him. Because as I studied and I I thought about these things, what I learned was that Paul actually got meager donations from the churches but he learned how to live off of it so that his basic needs were met so this wasn't a man who is becoming wealthy or rich because he was doing the right thing it was a man who was taken care of because he trusted god and that's amazing because there was contentment found in that the evidence is found more directly in 2 Corinthians 11, 9, and it says, And when I was with you and needed something, I was not a burden to anyone. For the brothers of Macedonia supplied what I needed. I have kept myself from being a burden to you in any way and will continue to do so. Paul was not begging the church to provide for him because he knew who his provider was. He was content because he didn't have to worry that he wouldn't be taken care of because God faithfully was doing it as he found himself out sharing this message. So Paul's trust was in provision from God. Paul wasn't worried about getting riches. It was the idea that he could go and share what he had in abundance with others, and that was the message of hope. I'm reminded of Jesus' words when he was commissioning his disciples to go out to spread the gospel and do the work of the kingdom. In Luke chapter 9, Luke 9, 2 through 3 says, And he sent them out, this is Jesus, to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, and no extra shirt. Why would Jesus say this to, this to the disciples as they were going out? To many places they didn't know where they would have needs that would be great because they have no idea what they're going to encounter along the way because he wanted them to trust that God knew the needs they had. They didn't need to collect, collect wealth on earth. They needed to believe the needs they would come across would be completely provided by God who had been providing for them. They were there to trust and to believe that as they were on their way to share the good news, that God was providing for them the whole way and that they needed nothing but to believe and trust in God. I saw a beautiful example of trusting God's provision in a book that I've been reading. It's a classic called God Smuggler by a man named Brother Andrew. And Brother Andrew was from Holland and believed God had called him. To take copies of Bibles into communist countries behind the Iron Curtain. This included Bulgaria, Germany, Russia, Romania, and Yugoslavia. Places that would not allow Bibles in their country. These Bibles were in the language of the people that he was visiting. And this was completely dangerous because if he was caught he could have faced life in prison. Or he could have been murdered for his beliefs and become a martyr. While Brother Andrew was in Russia, he was gifted a smaller full Bible that was very rare during that time. And it was translated in Russian. And Brother Andrew had no idea where to find these Bibles or how to get them in mass quantity so that he could go back where there were hardly any Bibles and deliver not hundreds, but thousands of Bibles that were smaller copies to put in the hands of the believers who didn't have Bibles at the time. When he went and looked into what it would cost to print these Bibles in the language of the people of Russia in this smaller size, it was going to be $15,000 at $3 a copy. Being 500, um, oh no, being 5,000 copies. This was 13,000 more than what he had in his mission funds to continue the spread of Bibles and his journeys. While praying, Brother Andrew asked his wife what their house was worth. His wife was due to have their third or fourth child, and she said, Andrew, we can't sell our house. We have a baby on the way. But the next day, Andrew's wife had come to the resolve that this was God's house, and however he wanted them to respond, she was going to be obedient. When they had their house appraised, it was valued with their savings To be just over $15,000. Their hearts leapt with joy. So they had decided that they would sell the house for the greater cause. And these stories are rare. And I'm reminded of Philippians 4, 7. Where it talks about it's a peace that passes all understanding. Because in a world that is far from content. To hear of people willing to sell their house. With little to fall back on is amazing, because that is an extreme trust in God to provide for the needs that they had. When the Dutch Bible Society heard what Andrew was doing, they agreed to pay for half of the Bibles to be manufactured. So when Andrew was reaching out in trust, God provided in another way, because they were able to keep their home and spread the word, which was the true joy of their heart. These people weren't worried about where they were going to live or what was going to happen to them. They were worried about being true to God and trusting him. And making sure he is known in the circumstances that they found themselves in. They completely relied on God's provision for their life. Do you trust in God's provision for your life? I bet we'd be incredibly surprised if we practiced that more. I know I would be. I think a lot of times, if I'm honest with myself, when something happens and I need something to happen, I look for all the ways that I can supply or provide the need before I go to God. And that's sad because there's much more power there than what I can offer. We experience contentment when we rely on God's provision. I was also reminded of a story of a friend of mine who said that they wanted to build another part of a house off the back of their house so that their house that they live in could actually be used for those that were in need, that they could come and rehabilitate and be brought into stable living while they lived off the side of the house rather than inside the house. Remarkable what a heart that relies on God's provision will do. And amazing how content you will find yourself when you do that. The second thing I want you to notice is that we experience contentment when we focus on God in every and all circumstances. If you look at Philippians 4 through 12, it says, I am not saying this because I am need for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And there are a couple of things in this wording that I want you to notice one is learned the word learned appears twice and if you notice again it says i know what it is to be in need and i know what it is to have plenty and then again whether well-fed or hungry whether living in plenty or want contentment does not come naturally you cannot wake up in the morning and say today i choose contentment it's something you learn Paul became content because of the experiences that he had faced on his journey. This is really important for us to remember because Paul was counting the cost of what he had experienced as nothing compared to what he now had in Christ. This wasn't an overnight experience where he woke up and said, you know, I don't know about you other Christians, but now we're going to start being content. As I was cross-referencing, this is what I found. In response to what Paul's endured for the sake of the gospel, Yet he remained content. He's at peace and he's urging other people to do it too. It's like, Hey, I just went through the worst time of my life. I was beat. I was rejected. I was imprisoned. I had horrible things happen to me, but I want you to know this is worth it. This is worth it because he realizes the worth of what he went through that for. And that's incredible. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 4.11, and it says, To this very hour we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags, we are brutally treated, we are homeless. He's saying, if you follow Christ, you might experience this stuff. But that's okay, because God is with you, and that is the greater prize. Then again, 2 Corinthians 11.27, I have labored and toiled. And have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst. And have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. He learned from the experiences that he faced. He went through hard times before he became content. True contentment. The secret of contentment was that he used everyday experiences to build his contentment. Because instead of running from the things that had hurt or bothered him. He ran to God. But he didn't only do that when things were hard. He did it when they were good too. Which if I was honest with myself, there's a lot of times if I'm doing really good, God will take the back seat and that's not okay. Like he needs to be at the forefront of our minds. The focus of our attention, the joy in our heart should be God. Paul's statement had come from rough places. His ability to continue pressing on towards God in life's circumstances built his contentment. It was almost as if what he was saying was, yeah, I've been there before, and I know what it feels like, but what I have in God is so much greater that I will press on. He provides everything we need, and whether I'm in a good spot or whether I'm in a hard spot, I'm going to continue to be content. Why wouldn't that produce happy thoughts? Look at Isaiah 26, 3-4. It kind of gives you an idea of what a mind on God looks like. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are on you. Isn't that incredible? Perfect peace. Even in moments of great need and facing the worst circumstances, those whose minds are steadfast will be kept in perfect peace. Can we focus on God and become content in every and all circumstances we face? Whether I have lots of friends Whether I have no friends, God's still going to be there for me. Whether I lose a job or whether I get a promotion, God's still going to be there for me. Whether I lose a dear friend to a disease or sickness or God heals my friend of disease or sickness, God is going to be there for me. Do you believe that? In the face of the myriad of things that you face all the time, can you say, even though it's hard, I'm going to remain focused on the Lord? The third thing I want you to notice, and I kind of changed this a little bit because what I was seeing and what I was thinking, I wanted to make sure that I emphasized correctly and it is this, we experience contentment when God has become our treasure. And I know you're going to be like, Philippians 4.13, what does that mean? Why did you say that like that? Because over the years, I've personally struggled with Philippians 4.13 A lot of times I think, I believe if we want something and we just chant this to ourselves or in some sort of a mantra, we believe that because we want it and because God loves us, he's going to give that to us. And I think what I saw when I studied this verse was something completely different. And I'm hoping that you'll walk away seeing this like this. Um, I played sports as a kid. And when I would exercise, I would say things like, I can do all things through him who gives me strength because I would feel like I would be on the verge of collapsing and that would give me strength. And I, and I do believe that that is helpful, um, but I don't think what what that verse means is that. When I was a boy, I wanted desperately to be the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. My idol was Jim Kelly. And as you look at me this morning, you realize that I am not in shape to be a professional football player. I am not playing for the Buffalo Bills. I played three years of peewee football and even played wide receiver because I was much slender and put a lot of heart into how I played. But then in junior high, I decided I would go to the coach and I would finally ask him, hey, I want an opportunity to be the quarterback of your team. I don't care if I'm second, third, fourth, practice squad. I just want to play. I want the opportunity to play the position I want to play. And my coach put me in at practice and I stepped over my own feet. I dropped the ball a million times when trying to hand off to the running back. I spun in the wrong direction. I threw to the wrong receivers. I fumbled. I was devastated. And I stopped playing football. There goes my shot at being drafted. To be honest, I wasn't good enough. And I'm not sure if I would have ever been good enough, even with practice. So had God let me down? Is it that I didn't have enough faith, so therefore I couldn't achieve the promise of being able to do all things? No. And this should be an encouragement to you. Because when we trust in God, when we rely on God for provision and are satisfied by what he offers, when we learn to be content in every and all circumstances, whether we have a lot or a little, and our life moments lead us back to God, we start seeing how much more value we have in Christ. I really think this verse focuses on Christ as the value. I can do all this through him who strengthens me. I can be content in the one who gives me strength to be content. I can be unified in Christ by spirit that I will live in contentment because he has given me the ability to do so. And I was reminded of 2 Corinthians, I believe it's 12.9 where it says, But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Because Paul had been complaining about a thorn in his side and had asked God to take it away and we know that he didn't. And that means that sometimes when we say I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me, we're not going to accomplish what we're believing that that statement's going to accomplish because we're looking at it in the wrong way. We're looking at it as if I only trust hard enough, but it's Not that, it's when my mind has saw Christ as my treasure, as who he truly is. And I pursue that, and I live like that, that I start realizing that I have contentment, and I know that I can have great satisfaction in my faith, whether it's good or bad, no matter what the circumstance I face. I used to think, when I would read in Joshua about the... Land and the allotment that was given out to all the different people that the Levites were gypped. And I use that word (laughs) off the cuff here because I was like, they didn't receive land. Their portion was God. And now after thinking, I have to say that they got the best gift because they got the presence of God. They had the best gift of any person that received anything from the allotment. That doesn't mean they were perfect, but that means that their gift was the best gift. What a place to be. The verse that kept popping up in my mind as I was studying was that we came into the world naked, and we're going to leave the world naked. That we don't take anything with us from this world. So we don't get to take the achievements and trophies with us that we have earned. And that is incredible because what is it that we do get to take with us? Well, if you have come to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have gained the greatest gift of all. And that is an eternity with God the Father. And that is something that you have all the days of your life for all eternity. That is the real gift. A gift that cannot be stripped or taken from you no matter what comes against you. Even though my football dreams as a boy were crushed, I know who I am in light of who he is now. God made me first and foremost to be his son, and I am loved. I'm the husband of Susanna and the father of Scarlett and Sydney and Samuel and Lola. I'm the manager of the Oasis Centers, where I get to impact kids and tell them about Jesus He made me one of the pastors here at the Refuge Church. And the best thought of all is that before I leave this world, I get to tell people about who I love the most. And hopefully they'll hear it and they come with me. That's way more exciting than what I could have been doing on a football field. This is why Paul knew the secret of contentment. Paul's mind was steadfast on God. And the presence of God was worth more than anything he could have accumulated in life. It wasn't about what he could get. It was what he was giving. Jesus, the message of free salvation to all those that believe. He understood that and the presence of God in his life so he could be content. So what do we do with this information? One, I want you to find areas where you struggle to rely on God and challenge yourself. I personally have a lot of wants that are certainly not needs. This morning I was thinking about how I want to lead by example. And Susanna, for the whole course of marriage and as long as she's known me, has known that I've had an Amazon wish list piled high with books and items that I want. Many that are frivolous. And that's kind of wild. Um, But today I'm going to delete my Amazon wish list. And my plan was that I was going to bring it up on the screen. And I was going to have Sean delete it for you guys. But I'm not going to do that because we're obviously at Melissa Bauer's home. But I will do that when I get home, and I'll have Blaine send you an email follow-up to let you know I did it to hold myself accountable. I need to prioritize needs over wants, and then allow God to navigate that. Perhaps there's something you need to let go that you have been holding on to. Believe me when I say this: you are never truly in control. Place it in the hands of the one who is in control and rely on God to provide for that situation. Two, don't allow life circumstances to to define you. Everyone is struggling with something. And I'll repeat that again. Everyone is struggling with something. We are all on a journey to be more Christ-like. This is an opportunity for us to walk alongside each other and encourage one another to trust and follow Jesus instead of giving in. So let's fight together. Let's use our life's moments to draw us closer to Jesus instead of going farther away. Don't be fair weather. Be consistent and persistent. And the last thing, make make God your treasure. Fall in love with him. Read his word and devote time to prayer. As you spend time with God, enjoy him. Be excited like I am for our next sermon series, The Commitments, because together we can encourage one another in our pursuit of God and and urge each other on to continue loving Him. I used to have an issue when I would read my Bible and I had a Bible plan that I would check a box and I could easily read it without putting my heart and thought behind it. But I didn't want to do that. So when you read it, just read it to enjoy it if it's too hard to read it for duty. Read it to enjoy it. Give yourself time. Pour your favorite drink. Sit somewhere comfortable and just read it and allow God to be real to you and talk to him. That you can experience the relationship that Paul had here that allowed him to be content. Contentment doesn't come easy. It's going to be a constant renewal of our minds. Let's be people who live showing the world that the secret of contentment is something you can only find in God through Jesus. We will understand and experience true contentment when we rely on God for, for provision, seeing what we need and being satisfied in his answer, letting our life circumstances being things that lead us closer to God, and seeing God as our treasure. Now today, we're going to move into a time of communion. Before we do that, let me pray. Father, I just thank you that we are able to be here together this morning over Facebook, over audio, however we're getting the message this morning. And I pray that you would allow us to be content people who rely on you for our provision, who use our everyday experiences, God, to draw closer to you, that it would build our relationship and it would build our contentment. God, that we would see you as our ultimate treasure, that all the things we might be pursuing, God, and throwing a verse behind as fuel, that we would want what you would want for us. That you, we would want what you have called us to, Lord. In your name, amen.